This morning, it's just great to be here with you. I see lots of familiar faces and some whom I've never met. So my name is Pastor Brian O'Gorman. Uh, my wife Peggy and I attended here for many years, and uh, we're currently helping with a new startup in Burlington. But it's a real joy to be here today, especially with the kids in the service. It almost sounds like reindeers in here, doesn't it? Now, I hope all the kids have found these coloring sheets because I'm going to be asking some of the kids to show their coloring sheets later on because they're an important part of our message because there's, there's different sheets. So there's three different ones. So if you haven't got a coloring sheet, and some of you adults, like if, if you need to twiddle and whatever, grab a coloring sheet and, and, and color. Um, so Dean has already been spending... <laughs> PowerPoint. Hmm. Is Bethany here? Our favorite uh, techie person. Nothing's happened yet. It really, nothing has happened. <laughs> so we should have a slide there. Again, it's kind of interesting. You know, Pastor Ian loves his, his, his Apple equipment. And uh, so I'm a PC person. You can see how much more equipment I have than he has with his one little, little, little iPad there. Um, so again, as we've talked about Lent already, Dean has spoken about it. And this is the first Sunday in Lent. So I know that uh, some of you have already jumped in to the 40 Acts, but I thought... Uh, because it's just begun, I would bring a couple of things that, uh, that you may, may or may not have seen. I think that, that Ian Middleton has seen this one before. This is your verse, Ian. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power of the act. This is really the foundational verse for the 40 Acts uh, group at, about doing acts of kindness during, during Lent. Uh, and they also even supply, if you go on their site, and you know what, you can go to, your, to the Southside website and click on the link, and it brings you through all of these. But there's also a wall chart that you can get for your family. So it kind of looks like this. And it actually lays out for your family uh, all the things that uh, you can possibly do as a family during Lent. And it, uh, it, it's kind of helpful to have that uh, for you to go through. But when we think about Lent, some people have said, well, where does it come from? Like, what is this? And it goes back as a long church tradition. Matter of fact, the first uh, recorded uh, record that we have of it goes back to St. Irenaeus of Leon, where he wrote in 160 AD, where there was to be a period of sacrifice before Easter. And then in 325 AD, uh, the Council of Nicaea kind of formalized it. And they established it as, for a period of time to be thinking about sacrifice coming up to Easter. And, and the 40 days comes from Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. If you think about it, Jesus, before he started his ministry, he actually had 40 days where he fasted and was tempted in, in the desert. And then he did his ministry. And then he was, resurrect, he, he was crucified, died, and resurrected. And so this, as we look at Lent, we're taking that 40 days and putting it just before Easter, just before the miracle of, of, of his resurrection. So just when we think about it and they talk about sacrifice, 40 acts suggest do acts of kindness, and that's really what they're saying. And, but it's really not just a matter of doing an act of kindness. It's really a matter of our hearts. What is the attitude of our heart as, as we're doing these things? And they have different 
themes for each of the Sundays within Lent. So today, we're going to be talking about humility. Maybe we'll just take a second, and I want you to think about a person that you might say, that, I, I know a humble person, and think about some of their characteristics. Just you close your eyes, imagine who they are, and just think of some of their characteristics. I'll just give you a moment to do that. So I don't know what characteristics came to mind for you. I know when I pondered and thought about it, uh, I was thinking about Mother Teresa as someone who just had such great compassion. She cared for people. Uh, she reached beyond herself, as this billboard says. Now, I don't know if this is an actual billboard, but I hope that it, that it is. One of the things that I really like about it as well is that uh, it's ve she's very humble, and yet, you know, it's not downcast. Humility doesn't mean that we're going to be lemon sucker Christians, you know, and that, and that we're, we're, we're not happy about anything. On the contrary, if we know what Jesus has done for us, there is joy in that. Humility isn't being downcast. I was probably a number of years before I accepted Christ because I thought the more Christian you became, the more boring you became. And that I, that I was just such a joy to find out the reverse is true. Your life is so much more fulfilled uh, th through that. So with Mother Teresa, you, you, we can understand that in her, in her heart that she cared so much. She went to, she was born in Macedonia, and at the age of 18, she felt the, the call to, to serve the Lord. And then at 21, she went to India as a teacher, and then she spent the, the rest of her life there, never saw her parents again. But she served the, the people who, who would not be served by anybody else, the lepers, the, the widows, the prostitutes, anyone who, who was an outcast of her society. So this morning we're going to uh, look at a little story before we go any further. And it's about seven special helpers. So I know this probably is a familiar story to many of you. How many people know this story? You know, hands, a few hands there. Yeah, it's, it's from Acts 6. And of course, it's the, it's the uh, story of selecting the uh, seven, as we call them sometimes, the, the deacons. But why is this a, a story of humility? How, do, how does that fit into a story of humility? Let me give you a little background as to sort of the setting. This is a cute, really cute little video, and it looks so nice that there's the, they're walking around with armfuls of fruit, and there's, it's all green and grassy. But in reality, First century Palestine was nothing like that. This takes place in Jerusalem. It's about a year after Jesus has uh, been crucified and resurrected. So it's about a year after that. And so they're, they're, the, the masses are gathering into Jerusalem. a matter of fact, because of the persecution in some cities around uh, in the Roman Empire, Jews from other cities have been coming back to Jerusalem. And when they're there, of course, they're hearing the good news and they're accepting Jesus and, and recognizing the Messiah has come. And so it's, it's just they're, they're caring for one another. Um, this is after uh, Peter has spoken and 5,000 have accepted you know, Christ in, in the one day. It's, um, it's, it's after we, we read about them having all things in common together. And so this is what they're doing. They're having things in common. But the Greek widows, uh, the, those that, that spoke Greek, um, felt that they were being missed with the, with the food distribution. So 
if I go to this next slide and we just look kind of at my underlines and you can kind of see. So the 12 disciples together said, it's not appropriate for us to serve tables. So now if that's what was really said, if that's, if that's all of it, and some people would say, well, hey, um, so you guys are going to be the ones that are going to devote yourself to prayer and the ministry of the word? Why not me? Why, why don't I do that part? Why should I be the one that's going to be taking care of tables? You know, there's an old phrase that says, we all want to be servants until we're treated like one. Do you hear that one? We all like to be servants until we're treated like one. So in some ways, these, uh, th these fellows could have felt like, well, I'm not sure uh, about that. But you know, th there were the, uh, the seven people that were chosen. So I'm going to ask the seven to actually share a little bit about them so you know who they are. You know, were they, were they the, the outcasts of, of the group? Is that why they got to serve the tables? So let's hear from Philip. My name is Philip. Some call me Philip the Evangelist. I once met an Ethiopian eunuch and baptized him right there on the road. I was one of the 72 that Jesus sent out to preach and get people ready to hear him. I later became a leader in the church of Anatolia. Okay, Procurus. Where are you, Procurus? My name is Procurus. I'm the nephew of Stephen, and I too was one of the Jesus, one of the Jesus disciples, one of the 72 who were chosen by Jesus and set out to preach to towns around the area. We were told not to take any money and no personal belongings with us. Jesus sent us out as lambs amongst the wolves, and yet we all returned fully supplied by God. I later became a leader in the church of Nicomedian, which is part of modern-day Turkey. Nicholas. My name is Nicholas. I came from Antioch and, at the time, was a new convert to Judaism, Judaism and the way. I, too, was one of the 72 that performed miracles in Jesus' name. I later became an important leader at the church at Samaria. My name is Parmenas. I am a Greek. I heard the message about Jesus and accepted him as my Savior and Lord. I was also one of the 72 that healed the sick and brought peace to many homes. And, like many of the others, I also became a leader of the church. I led the church that was the soil in Cyprus. Yes, my name is Timon. I was part of the group of 72 apostles of Jesus. We saw many amazing things in our work. We saw Satan himself fall down when we would pray in Jesus' name. Strangers welcomed us into their homes and fed us. I later became an important leader in the church. In the church is Basha in Syria. My name is Stephen. I personally traveled with Jesus. I saw his miracles, his kindness, and his power over demons. I knew who he was firsthand. In AD 34, I was accused of blasphemy and sentenced to death. Saul of Tarsus, you know that man who later became Paul. Actually, he watched while people stoned me to death. But when I was being stoned, 
the heavens opened up and I actually saw Jesus sitting at the right hand of God himself. So I prayed that the Lord would re receive my spirit, and he did. I was the first martyr of many for our faith. I also was one of the 72 sent disciples. I grew up in Jerusalem and watched John the Baptist as he called people to believe and repent of their sins. I was even present with the crowd at the crucifixion of Jesus. After the Jewish leader stoned Stephen, they turned on me too and killed me. They accused me of blasphemy against the Pharisees' teachings. So, having heard from all of them, it is interesting to note that all of them knew Jesus personally. All of them saw Jesus' miracles. Matter of fact, the 72 that were sent out, two by two, every one of them were part of those 72. They were the ones who walked out in faith when they were told, you don't need to bring shoes, you don't need to bring a, a bag, go and go into homes. And when they returned after going out ahead of Jesus, leading, the, leading into the cities that he was going to, and they returned back, and they share the miracles that they've seen. People were healed, of their, uh, demons listened to them. Things happened. These weren't just people who, who didn't know anything about it. They were people who were worthy of being people that would say, let me, I can pray, I can study the word. But no, when they were asked, you know, they said, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they saw it as great. I'll serve. Let me serve. That humility, that attitude of the heart that says, it doesn't matter uh, what I may have done. I mean, in the community, they were probably highly regarded, you know, because they could say, tell me what happened again. Tell me what happened when you went out. They would have been esteemed already. But now they said, no, no, we're happy to serve tables. We're happy to take care of the widows who really, in that, even in that society, uh, weren't there. So what happened? Because of, because of their humility, we see that the message of God kept on growing and spreading. And the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in, in Jerusalem. So it's in Jerusalem, but you've heard that each one of these, these men, except for the two that were martyred, went on to Samaria, went on to Syria, went into all the nations and all around. We are probably the fruit of, the, uh, of a lot of those who, who were willing to be humble, but they became uh, leader, leaders in those other churches. Let's have a look at a couple of uh, slides here with some... Uh, th these are some proverbs that you probably may uh, easily, easily recognize, and each one of them uh, is, is of uh, Im importance. So, he mocks the proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. Of course, the he in this context is God. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Some of us may have experienced that before, where we've put ourselves in a place, put ourselves on a pedestal and fallen off, and it hurt. Better poor and humble than proud and rich. One thing I would say, though, you don't have to be poor to be humble. 
you can be rich and be humble. And we know we have examples of people that we know personally in our lives. And humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. We don't choose humility so that we get riches and honor and life, but that would be the fruitfulness of it. The humility comes from our hearts. And even with the, with the acts of kindness that uh, is being suggested through 40 Acts, it's really not just do them, not just have a, have a chart that we can check things off and say, oh, I gave my cookie today. But it was, I gave it because that person mattered or I care. Um, now, we've got some of the um, people who sometimes maybe have a, a different way that, that they may be described. And I'll show you uh, three different people here. I am great looking and a stable genius. Now, there are people on both sides of the argument who would have different views of Donald Trump. But I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, oh, he's so humble. Um, Muhammad Ali, I am the greatest. I am the greatest thing that ever lived. Now, I remember him boxing. He was a great boxer. But the greatest thing that ever lived? I'm not so sure. And for you kids who remember the Jungle Book, you might remember King Louis. I'm the king of the jungle, the jungle VIP. I'm the most important one here. But the reality is, when, we, when any of us think of the king of the jungle, who do we think of? The lion. Yeah, the lion king. So sometimes people can kind of put themselves uh, ahead of themselves where they need not be. Now, what about the drawings? Is anybody, I'm going to see if anybody has uh, this drawing. Does anybody have that drawing that they can show me? You got yours? Can I, can, I, can I just borrow it? Can I borrow this drawing? Ah, lovely. Hey, Dad, can you tell me who's in the drawing? Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And we have some fantastic coloring on, on this drawing. There is no other model. There is no other representat representation of humility than Jesus himself. This is the creator of everything. Was there at the foundations of the earth. W existed forever. And he says, I love these people so much. I'm going to make myself come to earth as a helpless baby. I mean, I love babies. It, and, and as parents, we know, you kind of think, you look at the animal kingdom and you have a, a baby giraffe and in a few hours is running away by itself. But we care for our children for 18 years. They need, or some of them, 34. <laughs> or more, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, they never end. But he came as a helpless. He, he, he submitted his divinity. He laid it down and came to earth uh, in, in that way. What an act of humility that was. Now, anybody have this picture? Jesus, nobody did Jesus feeds the 5,000? Oh, oh, I got some great coloring over here. Oh, yeah, bring it up here. Nice. Nice. Wow, that looks beautiful. Wow, you stayed in the lines and everything else. Do you know who's in that picture? 
Jesus. <laughs> a boy with food. A boy with food. Yeah, yeah. and a disciple. And a disciple. Thank you. Now, I just want to show you the coloring, by the way. Look at that coloring. Yeah, yeah. I can color that good. That's really good. And, and the right choices, too. Um, but again, when we think about Jesus, he had been out speaking to the masses all day. All day. Uh, and there's not a lot of trees there on, on the Mount of Olives. And he recognizes that they're hungry. So... First of all, it's the compassion. It's the heart attitude. These people are hungry. I can't send them away without giving them something to eat. So what are we going to do? And so the disciples are like, uh, don't ask me. You know, why are you asking me? How can we, don't, how can we feed all these people? And, and they said, well, go, let's see what we've got. And a little boy, a little boy comes, comes by with his lunch, basically, and says, well, I've got some loaves and fishes. And Jesus doesn't say, are you kidding me? I need more than that. He says, no. He says, give those to me. And he, he doesn't send a boy away because, again, he loves children. Forsake not the children from coming to him. And he, he receives the offering from, from that little boy and multiplies it and blesses everyone that's, that's present there. Anyone have this picture? Oh, you got one over here. Okay, great. You're going to bring it up, Mom? Oh, yeah, I like it. Okay, well, you can tell me, Mom, who's in that picture and what they're doing. Jesus washing the disciples' feet. <laughs> I don't have coronavirus. <laughs> um, yes, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Now, the custom in those days... You know, we oftentimes hear of them wearing sandals. Lots of people couldn't even afford sandals. They were barefoot walking around Palestine. Dirty, dusty, uh, you know, climate. And, but when you went to visit someone, if you were fortunate enough to have a, a servant, the lowest servant on the totem pole was the one who would greet the visitor and wash their feet. Um, or at the very at, at the very least, the, there might be a there might be a, a a bowl there, and you washed your own feet. But it was only the servants that would dare to be the ones in the position that would be washing people's feet from who who'd been out there in that dirt. But our Lord says, "I will wash your feet. Let me let me be your servant." Let me do the lowliest of, of lows for you so that you would know and have an example of how you're to treat each other. The creator of the universe comes as a baby, ministers to the needs, lowers himself to wash the feet, and greatest of all, he lays his life down for us This entire verse, and I don't even know if I can read it right now because I'm a little wimpy sometimes. Um, so in this, this verse, the full of this verse says um, that uh, this is how we are to love. This is what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus laid down his life 
for each and every one of us, for me, for you, so that we could be in relationship with him eternally. This wasn't a short-term uh, thing that he did. It was for an eternal benefit. And I encourage you that uh, it's of, that we should, if we haven't already accepted Jesus, to understand what he did, accept him into your heart and lives. If you haven't done that, I'll be here after service and, let, and let's talk, or if some of the elders or whatever, if, if you want to uh, be able to do that. But as we go through this Lenten season, as we think about sacrificing, again, it's a matter of our hearts. It's a matter of, if we're, if we're wanting to give to others, it's because we have been given so much. So when you get the opportunity to do that, I like what you shared, was it Dave? Yeah, I like what Dave shared, you know, that it's not just, here's a cookie. You know, Jesus loves you, here's a cookie. And uh, let, let, let the power of that be there. And again, Jesus did great things, and there's so many that, that, that have done great things. But uh, I, I like another quote from Mother Teresa, and I'll close off with this. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love.